Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome. You have tuned into Linux in the Ham Shack, and this is episode number 185. When we're recording it in early March of 2017, not too far before Hamvention rolls around in about a little over two months' time. So, I am the host for tonight, Russ K5TUX, and we also have Bill out in Big Sky Country, Montana. Good evening, everyone. And we also have Cheryl, who's sitting across from me. Am I? I think you are. Oh, okay. Hello, everyone. You say that every time, and I'm pretty sure you still are. Well, I could move to another room, I guess. <laughs> I suppose you could, but I, I know you won't because your computer is there, and we're all here, and we're going to like start a show. We'll talk about some amateur radio topics, and the first one is the Washington House votes to ban cell phones while driving. And you may think, well, what does this have to do with amateur radio? Well, it kind of does. House Bill 1371 received a 52 to 45 vote in the democratically controlled House on Tuesday. Under the bill, drivers would be banned from holding any handheld device while driving, including phones, tablets, and other electronic devices, even while stopped in traffic. The new measure would allow the use of a finger to activate or deactivate a function of a device, such as using Siri on the iPhone, and the use of built-in touchscreen control panel within a vehicle to control basic functions like the radio or air conditioning. Well, gee, that's nice of them to allow that, at least. Uh, exceptions to this new measure would include contacting emergency services, operating amateur radio stations, and two-way or citizens band radio services, and while operating tow trucks and other emergency vehicles. According to the National Conference of State Legislatures, 14 states currently ban any handheld cell phone use while driving in a car. However, 37 states and D.C. ban all cell phone use by beginner or teen drivers, including Washington. 46 states prohibit texting messages for all drivers. And this came from the always trustworthy Bellingham Herald. So this is just in the uh, Washington State House. It is, but I saw several stories that have mentioned other states enacting or at least trying to enact similar legislation. But at least in this particular case, they're allowing for two-way radio communication. If you read this a little closer, it talks about you know being able to push buttons to control, because a lot of cars now actually have touch pads and things like that. I'm not sure how any of this is going to be actually enforceable, because, I mean... So much of everything's electronic now, and unless you're actually driving down the road with the phone up to your ear, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell what you're actually doing. You can what, text and email through your car? Yeah, a lot of the newer interfaces allow you to integrate with your cell phone or tablet, and then you can do things by voice control, including text, read emails, and so on. So uh, the world is going hands-free, which is definitely a step in the right direction but i'm glad to see that even though legislators are cracking down on things like texting which i definitely personally feel should be banned they're at least allowing for two-way radio communication still you know and i think a lot of the states have uh mous with uh aries and and stuff like that to allow them to do their emergency radio activities but i don't know about general like a general mou covering all of amateur radio in most states speaking from the viewpoint of a non-radio user, 
how is having like a handy talkie any different than a cell phone? See, I, I personally don't think it is, which is why I think this is kind of interesting because you can be just as distracted using a cell phone as you can right. with your mouth to a microphone. So, right. yeah, but whatever. It's just the thing that's happening. It's a sign of the time. Okay. So I'm going to hit this next one real quick just because I put it in there and then realized it was totally boring, but what the hell? I'll just talk about it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so a flash topic, the FCC chairman, the current FCC chairman, who's apparently a lame duck chairman appointed by Donald Trump, boo, says his pilot program is a success. His name is Ajit Pai, uh, and he declared his pilot program to increase the transparency of the FCC's rulemaking process a success, and as a result, the FCC will expand its pilot project by releasing the text of all six issues that the FCC will consider in its March open meeting, allowing anyone to see these documents publicly, which I think is a good thing. Transparency in government is always good. But as you continue to read down through this article, it basically says that all of the information is going to be available and moderated by people who are in the FCC. And other than the fact that people will be allowed to read the information, they don't really get to comment or affect things that go on especially in the policy making sessions so it's all a bunch of crap this came from the awrl take what you will and we need to talk about it no more so belarus to launch the first nano satellite the belarusian state university has created belarus's first university nano satellite such extremely small spacecraft represent a kind of flying education and research lab for university students Nanosats, or sorry, nanosatellites can be used to cheaply and promptly test new technologies, acquire and process space data, and offer practical training to aerospace engineer, or sorry, aerospace industry specialists. The nanosatellite has an, has orientation systems, power systems, active stabilization systems, a telecommunication system, and a camera, yet weighs only two kilograms and has extremely compact dimensions of 20 by 10 by 10 centimeters. The core equipment is of Belarusian make and includes a navigator, a radiation spectrometer, an infrared sensor, and radiation-resistant elements. The Belarusian State University has established a satellite control center and a data reception station. The satellite will use amateur radio frequencies, and it is the first but not the only university nanosatellite that will be created in Belarus. Specialists are already ready to create another one. The next model will use only Belarusian modules and components. And that came to us from the Belarus News. Does it resonate with you in a weird way like it does to me every time you hear somebody put the word space in front of something else? It's like <laughs> in the old like 60s and 70s science fiction things, it's like everything you do that's like outside of the Earth had space in front of it, like your space communicator or your space microwave or your... <laughs> You know, it makes it sound cool. <laughs> no, it just makes it sound stupid to me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's dated. We wouldn't use those dated. things in, in the U.S. anymore. Right. It's like people saying cyber security and stuff like that. Prefixing things with cyber just sounds antiquated to me at this point. I don't know. I guess it's still in use. <laughs> well, well, our government puts cyber in front of everything, so it sounds cool. Well, that just shows exactly where they're at, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some survey results. The amateur radio survey results. No, this is not the survey that the ARRL did with their new licensing thing, which we will not talk about. (laughs) (laughs) This was actually a a survey by N8RMA. He ran a survey to Redditors in the amateur radio subreddit. 
he says this survey started out as a simple curiosity. While browsing Reddit on the amateur radio subreddit, I began to notice several users posting surveys for highly specialized topics. I uh, completed the surveys and began to wonder what the results were. I then decided to host my own survey to collect the opinions from the community on topics that I cared about, and I wanted to make sure that I made the results widely available for anyone to consume for whatever reason. Again, this is not meant to be an exhausting study of the hobby, but about nagging questions I had about the community as a whole. And uh, he published the uh, results to Sway.com, and we have the link in the show notes. And he ended up surveying uh, 688 unique responses. And let's see, I'll just give you some snapshots from it. Uh, The average years respondents have been licensed is 32 years. So a lot of a uh, lot of longtime hams in uh, in the uh, subreddit. Uh, the average year years response have been active is twenty three years. Most used band two meters. Second one is forty meters. Uh, most of the respondents were from the U.S. eighty three percent. Let's see, the largest demographic is between fifty five and sixty four years old. Uh, the second ones would be uh, your forty five to 54, and then the over 65. Both came in at 21% of respondents. Kind of an interesting uh, spot the data in here, and he's got it all with pretty graphs and everything else, so it's real easy to read through with the eyes. And he talks about technology, which digital modes you use, logging methods, and stuff like that. So uh, take a look at it. It looks pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So uh, that's our amateur radio segment for the evening. We're going to move on to some open source topics. And the first one is GitHub invites devs to contribute to the open source guides. Uh, they've recently launched the guides. It's a collection of resources addressing the most common scenarios and best practices for both contributors and maintainers of open source projects. The guides themselves are open source, and GitHub is actively, actively inviting developers to participate and share their stories. And we have links to the actual guides and the story from InfoQ in the show notes. Uh, this actually uses the, what is it? It's uh, open source dot guide, the guide TLD. I don't know how often that gets used, but it's used for this one anyway. This just goes along the same line that we've been uh, talking about over the past uh, few episodes about you know success in open source projects and obviously documentation and guides falls right in that same thread of... Uh, uh, running a successful uh, project. Well, I will certainly encourage anyone who wants to contribute to open source documentation to do so because that is the one thing in the technology world I can't stand doing. I hate documenting. I, I, I'm trying to force myself, especially lately, because I've been doing a lot more coding to sort of you know self document my code so that even I know what I did when I look at it six months from now. But I'm so horrible about that. It just it feels like a waste of time. People who like doing it and can do it, uh, good on you, because I hate it. So this next one you're going to have to tackle again, Bill, because I didn't get a chance to look at it. I get the I get the gist, but uh, tell me tell me the details. So this is Standard Notes, a real time encrypted markdown editor, a standard notes app with an unstandard focus on longevity, portability, and privacy. It's written in Ruby as a gem, and the software is an MIT license. This is a uh, Found it's linked over in Reddit, and of course it's on GitHub, my favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a it's basically a Etherpad and stuff like that, except for it's all Markdown. I believe it's collaborative as well, and you can self-host it too, so you don't have to have it hosted on the Standard Notes website. I think they have some hosting there as well. 
but uh, it looked uh, it looked interesting. If you like keeping your stuff in mark markdown, which I, I think quite a few people actually do, I've I've seen a, I just saw an article just the other day on someone that does it for uh, documentation or something like that, and they they just keep everything in markdown so that way they can move it around and use it in LaTeX or whatever they want to use to do the final formatting. For someone who has no idea how to format text in a wiki, yeah, you know, give the like five second overview of markdown. It's just a way of notating, like, so in the text, so you can use a text editor here. So a plain text editor, and you can create a fully formatted document by using certain characters to start your lines. So let's say you wanted to do a bulleted list in an editor. You would just basically put a star, you know, that shift eight on our, or shift, yeah, shift eight on our keyboard, space, and then type something. And let's say you wanted to have another bullet nested underneath of that, like, you know, like, you know, you had one, two, three, and then you wanted to have an ABC under it. You'd have star, star, space, you know, type something, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. So, like, that would be a bulleted list. Uh, you can also do a numbered list like that uh, where you actually use a pound instead of uh, stars. Uh, let's see, what else? Formatting. Uh, if you wrap text in stars, it means to bold it. There's certain lead things for making headers. It, it becomes very easy to use. Uh, once you kind of get the gist of things and it actually becomes harder to go back and do it, you know, manually. Like if you have media wiki or something like that, that you do any kind of documentation on, you, you will like it much better than the, 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 the GUI based uh, editor. And it's, it's also a way of notating specific text formatting with text as opposed to mark up, which actually requires tagging and um, a lot more formatting and syntax and stuff like that. It's a simpler way to mark up text, which is why they call it marking down text. So, anyway, there's a, there's a whole thing about that. If you've ever done anything with wikis, you've seen markdown before. All right. There has been a long-standing thing in Debian. A large part of the problem was about the imaging licensing, which is why Debian has had to release like their own versions of projects like Firefox. But this apparently is no longer the case. Now that Thunderbird is back in the Debian repository, the decade-long dispute that has led to all Mozilla products in Debian being rebranded has ended. Thunderbird has been held back because of certain issues with the uh, probably, I can't even, I don't even know. I'd have to read the article, but I'm going to guess it's probably like IMAP or something stupid like that. You know, they have some bit of code that is not compatible with Debian. So you can now safely probably distribute distros with uh, Thunderbird and Firefox pre-installed. So you can uninstall them like most users do. Right, and you don't have to remember that Debian uses Ice Weasel. Yeah. Moving on from that, I did find this article. Well, before we move on, I guess we can jump back to the chat room because Jim7j1ajh in the chat room says that the new version of Visual Studio Code includes live markdown preview, which allows you to presumably live preview your markdown, which would make sense because that's what it's called. So that will actually uh, allow you to see what the formatting is uh, when you do markdown in the editor, which is kind of neat. Moving on to our last topic in the open source world for tonight, I found this article on Network World written by Brian Lunduke. He is a former member of the Linux Action Show. It was an article about seven things that he personally thinks that Linux should adopt. He's obviously way more into this than I am, but macOS-style extensions where you can just sort of drop in uh, bits of code that get executed during boot time. User interface for per-thread prioritization. You, know, you can tell he's a coder because that is definitely a coder-type thing. 
but moving on from that, there's a couple of interesting ones. Uh, back in the Amiga days, there was something called any size icons, which means you could resize icons on the desktop to any size you want, and that is individually, not per desktop. So instead of setting every icon to be 64 by 64 pixels or whatever, you could stretch a particular one to be larger than another one. Seems like a simple thing to add and would actually be kind of cool if you could do that. And that's, like I said, from back in Amiga days, which is kind of cool. That'd be neat to see. AppleScript, well, obviously we don't need to see AppleScript in Linux. Uh, The idea of that be uh, a simple interface for scripting desktop actions would be kind of nice, though. I see where he's kind of going there. The next one, though, is kind of nice. A UI, and this comes from Mac Classic, Mac OS had a way to create a RAM disk. There was actually a UI for creating RAM disks. That seems like it would be a really cool thing to have in Linux, because every once in a while you want to have a RAM disk just so you can dump temp data into it or whatever, and it's not super intuitive how to create a RAM disk. It's not super complicated, but it, it is fairly complicated. For, for a noob-type person to create a RAM disk is pretty hard, and macOS had an easy way to do that back in the day. And then he also suggests that having the macOS concept of applications in a single file is a good thing for Linux. I really hate that idea, actually. I don't like anything that obfuscates the way things work. The idea of packaging an app so that all of the things that are bundled into the installer all come as one thing, and then you don't really know where everything winds up, I I really don't like that at all. Uh, He seems to like it, and I don't. And the other thing he cites as a, a good idea is the Mac os control strip but i don't really see how that's any different from like the dock and just putting uh system utilities and stuff inside a dock and there are many examples of docks in modern versions of linux so some of these seem like good ideas some of them seem like sort of you know okay ideas and the other ones really seem like crappy ideas but anyway moving on let's talk about linux in the ham shack and we're going to actually talk about some real linux distributions in the ham shack and then we're going to talk about some other stuff too so talk about your experiences this week it's like this week in linux (laughs) on the ham you know this week in linux on the desktop with bill all right yeah yeah i went i went crazy this uh, this past time i uh i installed went through three distributions and uh we're going to talk about all three and i'll start with rebellion this is a Debian distro. I took it a ride. It took it for a ride in the uh, virtual machine. I opted to test out the Mate flavor. It's also available with GNOME. Uh, from the website, Rebellion is a Linux distribution based on Debian GNU Linux designed for beginners. Rebellion looks great and comes fully loaded with essential applications, drivers, and codecs to provide an out-of-the-box experience. Rebellion is super fast, lightweight, and aggressively secure and has all you need and will ever need. So take that. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it was pretty good, and uh, it runs really fast in the VM. I'm surprised I didn't choose this to run on the desktop here for uh, the next week or so. It's in the Debian distro, so you can install all your ham radio meta packages. It uh, installed really good really well it looks really good it's got a what they call it a material design or whatever that is makes everything look flat and pretty and and stuff like that and uh yeah it's pretty stable it it it, uh definitely is a good option yeah i i I wouldn't mind running it maybe next week (laughs) (laughs) have you noticed there's a trend like early very early in the days of gui environments like even in the windows three days that the idea was to show depth on the desktop and now 
there has been a marked trend away from that. The idea of having things look flat is now very in. Yeah, you know, because the phones have done that. That's why. So everything's following the mobile market, and uh, this 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 distro kind of wraps that UI right around that same kind of uh, taste and flavor. There is that is well, like was that a modification on Mate or is it? Uh, is that what you know? Mate it looked like just straight Mate. You know, it didn't look like anything special. You know, just they have their own customized uh, theme for it. Okay, they have their own theme for Mate. So, other than the fact that they've customized the the general appearance of Mate, it could just be Mate on Debian. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's other things with the uh, with the distribution, and they are running the Licorix uh, kernel, which gives you uh, you know some of the speed improvements are right there. I don't know if you've ever tried that before, but it supposedly is uh, you know your low latency uh, uh, kernel if you wanted to run you know let's say audio you know an audio studio or whatever. Uh, from the box itself, that would be a good option for a kernel. So yeah, I mean, they, they made a few good choices here and there, a little customizations of picking and pulling certain packages. So, so yeah, overall, I think it's a it's a pretty decent distribution. I, I found pretty much all these in like the the weekly roundup of stuff from uh, DistroWatch. So <laughs> it's just I hadn't seen it before, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a try. The second one I uh, tried out was ZenWalk, and uh, this is a Slackware based distro. And from the DistroWatch uh, posting, the ZenWalk Linux distribution is a desktop operating system built on the foundation of Slackware Linux. The project has announced a new rolling release snapshot of the ZenWalk Linux, which carries the version number of 220217. That looks like a date. It does. <laughs> the, new, the new snapshot re- reintroduces the Firefox web browser, not IceWeasel, and uh, in the default installation and offers a number of updated packages. So uh, I did install this in the VM, and like any Slackware-based distro, there is no ham radio stuff to be found. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not ready for ham radio. So <laughs> but it's Slackware, and you can build everything from source. That's correct. Yeah, if you're into source builds, and this is uh, this is your this is your distribution. It did look nice, and it was quick. And uh, beyond that, I really I I can't tell you much after that. You know, at least for our purposes for this uh, particular special use case, it uh, it wouldn't be appropriate. I, I just want to say that I, I tried ZenWalk, and I want to say a long time ago. I want to say on the order of six, seven, eight years ago, because it was, it was one of those things, like it's an easier way to get into the distribution. It's kind of like Manjaro for Arch, ZenWalk is to Slackware. It kind of eases the barrier of entry uh, into the distro. And I know I tried it a long time ago, and I feel like I want to say I tried it back when I was still doing Linux user group stuff, and that was back in 2005, four. but I'm not sure ZenWalk has actually been around that long, but I feel like it has been. Yeah, it was originally released in 2005, so yeah, it was. And yes, I remember the Dolphin uh, logo. So I was doing that back in my lug days, back in 2005, 2006, so yep, that, that's how long ago I used ZenWalk. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> so, go ahead. Well, don't give it a try. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can try it again now. Hey, what the hell? Um, the last one I tried was called Deep In. I have never seen this one before. It was uh, listed as a beta distro. I kind of like the looks of the uh, the live disk and everything else, and it's uh, not quite a U.S. distro. It actually is based, uh, based from, what, the Wuhan Deep In Technology Company Limited out of China. So... <laughs> 
about Wu-Tang Wu Prefecture. Yeah, Wu-Tang <laughs> No, uh, so it has a, because of that, it has a, a, an interesting list of pre-installed packages, uh, which includes Google Chrome. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen one uh, distro with that already installed. Uh, Spotify. And Tor. Skype. <laughs> you could install that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Skype, TeamViewer, and Crossover. Uh, Linux, which is, of course, the uh, little wine encapsulation uh, Crossover is uh, not free, though. How did they get away with that? Yeah, I'm not sure about that because that, that normally is a $39 purchase. But I remember at one time you used to be able to get Crossover for nothing. It was actually was in the distributions. It used to but, be, but then they, they commercial. well, they didn't commercialize it, but they started charging for it. I was going to conferences back when Jeremy White, I think his name was, one of the lead coders for Crossover was like, still going to conferences and talking about this new crazy thing called crossover. But yeah, it's it's not a free thing anymore. At least it's, I mean, it's free as in speech, but not beer. So yeah. So after a quick update and upgrade, uh, you know, cause it is Debian based, uh, I was, uh, off to the races. I did a apt install ham radio dash all, which is the first time I've seen that made a package of the meta packages. And, uh, yeah, it installed just about everything there is out there. Uh, that was already in the ham radio dash, you know, logging ham radio dash SDR and so on and so forth. And I saw a post on Facebook about somebody not having, uh, or N1MM trying to get N1MM plus running on, uh, on, uh, wine. So I said, Oh, let me try this crossover. We'll install it. And sure enough, it, it installed it, uh, like almost single click <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and was up and running in uh, a matter of moments. So uh, that's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting thing. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. I'm uh, running it. I did run the, uh, the good old Wireshark against the, the network port to watch any odd activity. And I haven't seen any yet. You know, I'm, I'm giving this a, a 4.85. I mean, this thing is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, the only thing I can say that was noteworthy is the packages for the ham radio stuff is just a little bit behind. I think uh, they were providing 2.02 for uh, CQR log, which I believe is up to 2.04 right now. And uh, a couple other things, I guess. But um, so far, I've been able to install just about everything on here. Obviously, I have Skype on here, Wire, and and, and all the normal desktop applications. And I believe it is running GNOME 3. And they have their own custom skin on it and a bunch of custom apps for like the store manager, the file manager, terminal, and so on and so forth. So they've done a lot of customization on this. And, uh, you know, it looks pretty well developed. Uh, I'd say give it a look. I mean, it's at version 15.4. This is the beta. Check it out. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to say two things. The first is my name drop was correct. It was Jer- uh, Jeremy White. He is the founder and CEO of Code Weavers, who are the ones who created Crossover. And the other thing is, I'm going to have to cut you off at one decimal place on your LHS scores. I mean, come on. You don't have to go to 4.85. Wow, wow, wow. 4.8. 4.8. Okay, you're going to round down. All right. We'll good. round down. Okay. We'll round down. <laughs> because it is, you know, from China. Yeah. <laughs> and because and it no- could be, you know, somewhat weirder than the NSA's versions of Linux, you know. <laughs> right so yeah okay so a 4.8 there so actually both of the distributions that you looked at that you actually gave a score you really liked yeah yeah i think they're both pretty uh pretty pretty decent obviously they're both based on debian so uh you know you can't really go terribly wrong there 
Yeah, I guess when you go Chinese, you never go back, right? So you're, yeah. you're just going to be using those Chinese distributions from now on. Well, that's pretty cool. There was there's another one that I'm going to try and talk about, um, which is Gecko Linux. And I'm not going to talk about it this episode. I'm going to talk about it next episode because I could not get the damn thing to download. Um, so here is my plea to people who put out Linux distributions. If you're going to put out a Linux distribution, please create and see torrents of the damn things because gecko linux was being hosted i don't know where it's on sourceforge but even on sourceforge trying to download it as a single file from every mirror that i tried was going to take for freaking ever you know torrenting is a perfectly valid way to disseminate an iso and I highly recommend that people who put out these different distributions use it because I can download a one gigabyte ISO of a torrent of a distribution very quickly. And it got to the point where I was trying to download Gecko Linux and it was going to take until tomorrow for me to actually get it to try. So it wasn't going to make, you know, press date. So let's utilize the technology, put those distributions out there in torrents. When I actually get Gecko Linux downloaded, I'm going to create a torrent of it and seed it because this is just nuts. <laughs> so anyway, there, there's my thing on that. So uh, let's talk about time code. Here's an interesting little project on GitHub that announces the current time via Morse code. The script needs a little editing in order for your path uh, to be included properly in the, in the uh, execution script. But uh, it, it's pretty slick. Yeah, they recommend putting it in cron tab so your, your, your computer will announce uh, the current time in Morse code. And uh, when you uh, git clone it or if you download the zip file or whatever you do from GitHub that you, that you want to, uh, you run the Python script, which generates all the, uh, all the uh, sound files for the various numbers. And then the uh, other script basically just uh, reads the clock and gives you the uh, time format in, uh, I believe it's 24-hour time. Try it out. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just neat. It really is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's a flash topic. It's a nothing thing. So Yeah. And I'm just going to throw this in here. Hopefully I'll get to talk about it next episode because I didn't get a chance to build it on this episode, uh, basically because I was screwing around with Gecko Linux for too long. Uh, but I found this project for Digital Radio Mondial, which is called Dream, D-R-E-A-M. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is it's, you know, it's for Digital Radio Mondial. It, it allows you to decode broadcasts uh, for shortwave, medium wave, and long wave using a PC with sound card. It's, uh, you can get it on SourceForge. And what was kind of cool about it to me is it looks, it has a pretty nice interface. It looks like an older uh, GTK kind of look to it. I think it's written in, uh, I think it uses Qt. Uh, I believe there's a Qt 3 and a Qt 4 version of it. I didn't get a chance to try and build it. Uh, there's not a lot of documentation about it. The user interface is kind of nice. Uh, it's got a nice waterfall and everything. And it is cross-platform. As long as you have Qt available for Windows, Mac, or Linux, you can build it for all of them. Uh, it's GPLv2. 2.1.1 was released in 2013. Uh, but if you're doing the digital radio Mondial thing, there's not a whole lot of stuff out there for Linux. And this is actually cross-platform. So I'm just letting you know that it's there. A link to it will be in the show notes. And I'm going to I'm gonna give it a go for actually building it on all three platforms. I'm going to try and do it and uh, see if I can get it running and, and see if it's worth talking about. 
Again, that'll be a holdover for uh, 186. The chat room is totally friggin' dead, so I'm just going to move on to the music. <laughs> it's like everyone keeled over from boredom. Unfortunately, we already have an episode titled Worst Episode Ever, so I can't really reuse that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to the music, we have some music, and this one is a track that I actually heard first on the Bugcast. I think it was three weeks ago now that I heard it. I don't remember what episode number it was, but I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I figured I would just use this one because uh, it was a pretty good piece of music, and it saved me from having to find one of my own, so... It's a track called Knock 'em Stiff, and I'm not sure if they just don't know the lingo or whatever, but uh, <laughs> they are a German group called The Thin Men. Uh, the album this came off of is Prop, and I think they had three or four albums on Gemendo. They have quite a few tracks there that you can download and listen to. Uh, this one runs just a hair shy of three minutes. Again, it's called Knock 'em Stiff, uh, released back in March of 2016, so fairly recent. And like I said, I heard it first on the Bugcast, and we're going to play it here. So here's the Thin Men with Knock 'em Stiff. Yeah. 
drum outro there. The Thin Men with Knock 'em Stiff from back in March 2016. There you go. Little fun, upbeat, sort of rocking thing going on. That's the music for tonight, and we're going to move on to announcements and feedback. And the first thing we have is an email I got, oh, I think it's about two weeks ago now, from Gene, Bravo X-Ray 8, Alpha Alpha Delta. Still awesome call sign. Not sure how he managed to uh, get hold of that one, but fantastic. Good on you. Gene says, Dear Rush, Cheryl, and Rich. And there's a reason why he says Rich, so just bear with me. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for the continuing episodes of LHS. I'm still gradually clutching at the old episodes so that I can eventually listen to the latest podcast, either live or right when it is released. Maybe this summer I can get caught up to that point. It was great of you to offer to have me drop in on you in the summer of 2016, but of course I didn't hear that until 2017 and was back in Taiwan by then. Uh, That's the price I pay for listening from episode number one and trying to catch up. I not only didn't have an eyeball QSO with you, I didn't even leave a call on your answer line while I was stateside. I had an avalanche of responsibility toward the end of our stay because my mother was hospitalized. I'm thankful that she made it through and that she's doing quite well now, but it did put every other thing I wanted to get done out of my mind. Won't be back in 2017, but I will put a visit with you on the to-do list for our next visit to the States. I'm working on another shell script at work, and I think it is almost perfected. I needed to do some automated backups of files for, don't laugh, Windows 2000 file server, but I wanted to do it using Linux on the local area network. Uh, I did a bit of learning about SMB client and basically had it working as of yesterday. I got quite a feeling of accomplishment about that. Have you ever discussed SMB client on the show? It might be of interest to some of your listeners who have one foot in the Linux world while still having to keep one foot in the world of Windows. Okay, when you read my last message, I could tell it was too long, so I'll sign off here. Thanks for the great show. I keep learning things from it and gaining confidence in both the world of Linux and that of amateur radio. 73Gene, BX8AAD. I know the reason why I used Rich, so... Yeah, because he was still listening to Rich (laughs) when when he wrote the comment. So, yeah, Rich was... (laughs) <laughs> poor guy <laughs> are we talking about rich or gene or both oh yeah or both, both. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for the email gene it's too bad we didn't get a chance to meet up with you while you were still here but by the time you hear this it'll probably be 2018 and you'll be back in the states again so um you're definitely welcome to come by anytime you know just maybe give us uh i guess what we'll get at least six months notice right because maybe that's probably about how far behind he is at this point. <laughs> So, so, and of course, he's not going to hear this for quite a long time. So if uh, someone knows Gene BX8AAD, they might want to let him know we've talked about him, you know, before he like dies or something. Wow. (laughs) Well, we don't know how long it's going to take him to listen to these episodes. So don't hang your head. (laughs) Uh But thanks again, Gene. And we have talked about Samba on a past episode, but it's been a long, long time since we've talked about Samba. So maybe we can jot that down in our notes to bring up and talk about it in a future episode, because it's uh, it's a great topic, especially for integrating between Windows and Linux. And it can actually, Samba can actually uh, serve as an Active Directory server for people who know what that is and care. He did bring up Windows 2000 server, so I'm wondering if that's a personal thing that he's doing or if whatever he's doing over in Taiwan is still using uh, Windows 2000. And I would love to get an answer to that question, but maybe... It's going to be a couple of years. Yeah, it's going to be a little while now, so maybe we need to dig up Gene's email address and see if we can just communicate with him in the present 
or get him on the show at least well although he said he couldn't even call us while he was here or because no, he, because, because he had already mom. been well no he said he didn't call us while he was here and now that he's back it kind of sounds like he can't or maybe it's cost prohibitive or something I, to, probably cost prohibitive so. yeah i don't know what it's like to call you know the u.s from taiwan so i know what it's like to call the taiwan from the u.s so well I, I don't have a lot of you know business calling it's, Taiwan. Yeah, so. well, it's very very expensive. <laughs> so. All right, but anyway, enough about that. Thanks for the email, Gene. It's always good to hear from you. Uh, glad we're still providing at least uh, marginally decent content. So hopefully, by the time you get around to listening to 185, you're still listening. That is what it is. And uh, you had an interaction on Twitter, Bill, with uh, N4AE. So I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, Brian McDaniel, N4AE, tweeted, uh, started listening to your podcast recently. Really good work. I'm adding Linux to my ham shack. I've repurposed a laptop with Ubuntu, and I plan on, uh, I plan to add FL Digi to my Jeep portable station when we're back in the, when we're in the backcountry. Summer, I'm assuming this summer, you know, it's Twitter. You only have a certain amount of characters. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, it was good to make a connection there with N4AE, and I'll try to find more of those as people tweet throughout the week and stuff like that we'll try to follow more stuff like that for uh, our listener feedback yeah there are always people posting on twitter twitter's actually become a little more active for us now which is kind of nice uh there's some back and forth uh comments from folks and we respond like when we can answers to questions and stuff like that and there's also been some interesting posts posted posted on uh google plus that I respond to when I get to, but usually it's after someone else has already answered somebody else's question. Our Linux in the Hamshack community over on Google Plus is actually fairly good size. I know it was over a thousand people at one point. Uh, let me let me just do a quick look and see what we're at now. Yeah, I'm really bad about following Google Plus. I, I apologize well in advance. <laughs> yeah, I don't follow it either. So, well, some people apparently do. So this is a good thing. 2100 people nice yeah that's pretty large that's a pretty good sized community i mean uh the linux community is like 120,000, but you know considering it's we're just a little thing going on 2100 people is pretty good actually all right let's let's do some uh quick ego boosting here let's look up ham radio 360 (laughs) 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 let's see the ham radio community on google plus only has 4400 members ah Let's see. Um, there's the, there's going Linux. Actually, I have a few of these already in my in my list here. So Linux in the Hamshack currently is up to 2,100 members right now. Mintcast has 590. Going Linux has 1,558. Ham Radio Hangout Community has 226. Hacker Public Radio has 182. No Agenda Hams only has 356. So you can suck it, Adam. <laughs> wow! Oh, uh, yeah. Well, here let's see. Russ Woodman only has six hundred thirty-eight followers. <laughs> <laughs> don't I? I have seven hundred ten. So there you go. I don't even use it. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> yeah, there's twenty one hundred people in that Google Plus group. So if you are interested in communicating with people about Linux and the Hamshack, I think it's kind of grown beyond the scope of the podcast. It's just sort of the idea of using Linux and the Hamshack. But there's 2,000 people in there to communicate with, answer questions for you, whatever. And, of course, I'm in there. And if we can get Bill and Cheryl to join up with that Google <laughs> community, they'll be in there, too. So <laughs> I am a member of the community. 
Okay. Pl- plus one to some stuff. <laughs> but uh, normally it's like it's already like two or three weeks later, and I'm like, ah. Oh, right. right. So you put in minimal right. effort. Right. I got you. Yeah. Uh, we'll just do a quick little mention of Hamvention, which is coming up. Hamvention 2016 and Hamvention 2014. Okay. And we have to actually go back that far for a second because I am working on the haikus from 2014. 14, yeah. Right. From, and from 2016. Uh, so all of those will be coming out shortly. Everybody from the 2014 campaign got their merchandise, you know, back then. And all of the people who donated in 2016, I sent out all of their perks Monday. on Monday. So those have all gone out. And at the same time I did that, I started the Hamvention 2017 campaign. So that generosity campaign is live. You can go to generosity.com, just look up Linux or Linux in the Hamshack, you'll find it. Uh, We already have a couple of donors, um, and the way generosity works, there's no sort of set goal. It's just whatever we get before the end of the campaign, you know, we'll use uh, towards going to Hamvention. Um, I talked with the Inside Exhibits coordinator a few times, and I talked to him today. We're looking to have a decent booth. We're not sure exactly which one it's going to be yet, but we will be either next to ICOM or Ooh. we will be next to Heil Sound. So wherever wherever we wind up, we'll be near. So some, we'll, we'll be next door to a neighbor, basically. Right. So uh, we'll know our final booth, you know, allocation here pretty quick. Uh, but we definitely do need funding. To get there so like i said the hamvention campaign is live uh links to it are everywhere i'm posting it on social media all over the place and it's on the website too at, at uh, lhspodcast.info if you can't donate share 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 you get friends and friends and friends and friends you never know who's got five bucks in their pocket to uh send to us and uh it'll all make everything work out so and i've i've changed the perks around a little bit this time so there's some more interesting things uh the the structure is a little different so you can get a little more for a little less hopefully that'll work out in everybody's favor we're looking to have some cool items with us at hamvention for those people who want to donate there cool little souvenirs they can take home with them uh stuff more interesting than trucker caps and stuff like that so but anyway that's that's all about hamvention it's coming up in a little over two months so we hope we see everybody there and uh, Bill will be with us, so we'll we'll Woo-hoo! have a good time at Hamvention. It's going to be a lot of fun. Time for some food. Yeah, time for some food. <laughs> so let's talk about food. So the recipe for this week was one that I have fixed in the past purely when I've been lazy, because it's a super easy recipe. So anyway, this week's recipe is easy ravioli bake. Uh, you need a jar of spaghetti sauce, 26, 28 ounces, whatever you grab. Any variety works. A package of frozen cheese-filled ravioli, uh, some shredded mozzarella, and some Parmesan cheese. And I will occasionally sometimes throw in hamburger or Italian sausage or something like that. But, you know, this this recipe is very forgiving. Do with it as you want. Spray the bottom of a baking dish with some um, cooking spray like Pam. Put your pasta sauce in there. You know, put the ravioli on top of that. More pasta sauce, more ravioli, cheese, etc. Stick it in the oven. We'll cover it with foil. Stick it in the oven and bake it. And you have a great meal that uh, goes great with some garlic bread or whatever. So 
and it takes about five minutes to throw it all together and about 10 minutes to completely devour a pan of it. So there you go. What? Oh, you've got a mouthful of food. Keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) Russell's like, please keep talking. I'm eating a cracker. (laughs) Oh, I thought he had a mouthful of easy ravioli. Yeah, no, no, no. He got cheese and crackers for dinner tonight. Cheese and crackers. Yeah. Well, I had to eat a cracker because I have a scotch, and I needed to cleanse my palate with a cracker before I got to the scotch. I see. So I'm going to talk quickly about my scotch. And this scotch is one that you bought me because you like the bottle. Ah, I know which one it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, there's a couple of bottles in there that I really like, but this is a new one. Yeah. Um, This one is called Jura Superstition. And I actually really like the bottle, too. Uh, It has an onk on it. I'm a big fan of the onk. So it's a single malt scotch. It doesn't have an age statement. I've only had it once before. This is going to be my second taste of it. I, I wasn't too impressed with it the first time. One thing about it is it does have a very dark color. It's like a it's like a golden amber mahogany. It's not the typical caramel color. So. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a deep rich color. It's almost orange depending on what light, what you know light you look at it in. So let me know. I don't remember what uh, strength it's bottled at. I think it's uh, it's either eighty proof or eighty six proof. Uh, the nose on it is uh, pretty much just a little peat and a little honey. I'm not picking up a whole lot more there. Let me take a quick sip of it here. Yeah, it's not bad. The honey is still there. It's got a very light peat. It is an island scotch. It's from the Jura Island, uh, which is J-U-R-A. It's not terribly complex. It's, it's mostly honey, maybe a tiny little bit of citrus, and there's a little bit of, um, it's almost like a cayenne, like a spice to it. And I was actually looking up the tasting notes on it because there was one thing I was like, I've been tasting this taste and I know it, but I can't place it because it's sort of mixed in with all the other things. But that taste is pine. It's almost like juniper. So it's almost a little gin note on top of it, but it's it's pretty subtle. But it's definitely a lower proof because it, it doesn't have a very uh, alcohol finish to it or anything like that. So, But like I said, most of the notes I get from it are honey, a little citrus, a little cayenne, and a little uh, pine or juniper. Uh, a little different, uh, something sort of off the beaten trail, but if you want to get that, it's not terribly expensive. It's 86 proof. Okay, it's 86 proof, yeah. And it costs around $40 mark for a fifth of it, so pretty good stuff. Give it a try. If you're uh, into the scotch thing, maybe uh, something you haven't tried or even looked at. So we'll get back to the uh, social media roundup, and we can wrap this sucker up. Subscriptions. Jonas Rulo, Jeremy Hall, Michael Connolly, Scott Pettigrew, Bob Yerke, Paul Griffith, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Michael Aiello, John Clark, Edward Donnelly, Donald Gever, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Engel, James Blocker, Darren King, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Robert Pitts, John Fotchke, Doug Redder, Christopher Weaver, Robert Doherty, and Wayne Carpenter. Who is new? Wayne Carpenter is a new subscriber. Woo! Yay! So... I'm going to have to run these through an algorithm at some point so that, like, the order is different every week. <laughs> okay. Because it's just, because I hear you read it every week, and I hear the same thing every time you read it. So, it just, uh-huh. no, no, it's not you. It's the fact that the order is always the right, same. And he, right, and he's just <laughs> It just seems it. like it needs to be randomized just to make it interesting <laughs> or something. <laughs> so, hey, anyway. Whatever. So, so. On Facebook, CM Daling, or yeah, that's Daling, right? Yep. Avinash Halsned, Kyle Sherman, and Glenn Dietz. 
on Twitter. It's V-E-5-U-O, D. Fannin, Color Theory, Z-F-2-C-J, K-A-0-I-Q-T, uh, Jim Edmondson, E-A Catano, Catano, and Foot Pound Force. Nobody on Google, nobody on YouTube, nobody on the mailing list, and no merchandise sales. I didn't actually check the merchandise sales, so somebody could have bought right. somebody, but I'm <laughs> guessing probably not. So when you've got an email, um, no, I don't get emails about that. I'm not okay. sure why, but if if there are merchandise sales, I will definitely catch up for next, next time. Week, right. So, all right, well, that's it. So I think most people have already bailed in the chat room. I know Cleewick had to run off. I think Jim's still in there, and I think Ted is still in there. Um, I didn't hear from anyone else that, uh, and I didn't look to see how many people were listening to the live stream. It doesn't really matter. We did the show anyway. Yeah. And we survived so, uh, green day last night. And so. we did survive green day, which was, oh yeah, I forgot to ask you about that one. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Freaking amazing. Even if you don't like green day, I would highly recommend going to see a green day show. It was, it was so good. Probably yeah. the best show I've ever seen. Yeah. We, awesome. I, I commented to Russ last night, my godson went with us. But it, he's 25 years old, and it was his very first concert ever. And <laughs> after it was over with last night, I was like, well, I'm glad that you lost your virginity to this concert. <laughs> Regretfully, this, you know, any other future concerts will be a major letdown because they are not going to be as good as this one. But I told Russ last night, yeah, the best concert up until this point that I had ever seen had been Bare Naked Ladies. The excellence of their concert was basically just their personalities because well, they didn't no, have but, a lot of show. It was just them. They but created Green the show. Day was personality as well. They had personality and an amazing set of special effects right. and lights and everything else to kind of back, back up their personality. Right, right. Yeah. Personality wise, Green Day probably slid in first. Bare naked's bare naked ladies are hot on their trail right behind him, but but with bare naked ladies, it was literally them and some instruments on a stage, right? Yeah, where you know Green Day had pyrotechnics and stage equipment and stuff. As impressive as the pyrotechnics and the lighting and everything was, it was definitely their performance that that carried the evening, not just the lights and sound. And about halfway through the show, they said, "We need somebody that can play a guitar." And he's running back and forth across the stage going, you know, can you play? Can you play? Can you play? And finally picked a girl that was in, you know, the, the front of the audience. And he's like, how long have you played? She's like, four years. He's like, can you play three chords? She's like, I think I can handle that. He's like, all right, get up here. So they got her up on the stage and he handed her the guitar and said, this is what I want you to do. She did it. Then after it was over with, she started to hand me the guitar back. And he's like, no, 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 it's yours. The first girl they took off the floor was kind of fun because they got her on stage. Billy Joe gave her a big hug and everything. Then they were like, you know, they like pointed off the runway and they're like, you know, go like to jump into the crowd and crowd. Yeah, she's like, no. She was not going to go. <laughs> she was not going. But um, the crowd eventually talked her into it and she she finally did it. But yeah. That <laughs> yeah. The next guy. And the next guy to... was like, he just he yeah. ran as hard as he could. And he <laughs> launched himself. Off the crowd. Like, I actually have a video of that one. Yeah, it's a great show. If you ever get a chance to see Green Day live, I highly recommend it. You will not yeah. be disappointed. No it's definitely not a disappointing show all right so we got to get moving on the chat room is dead thanks everybody for listening and that means i have to like push a button here which means uh that one yep wow i know it's like there's it's, actual stuff works. there it's i know music 
Wow. So you can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby Linux Con or Ham Fest. We love feedback. You can email us. Here, let me turn that up just a hair. Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, you can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter, or leave a voicemail at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. Visit our IRC channel, hash LHS Podcast on Freenode, and subscribe to our mailing list. Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts can be purchased at www.cafepress.com stroke LHS Podcast. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. You can listen to us live every other Monday at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu in the summertime or 0200 Zulu in the wintertime. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. Please check out our website at http colon stroke stroke lhspodcast.info for everything you ever wanted to know about the show. Thank you to all of our listeners, live and quasi-live, past, present, and future. We appreciate every one of you, and we hope to see you all in a couple of months at the Dayton Hamvention, which is actually in Xenia this year. So, uh, from me, K5TUX, uh, in Studio 3D here in Mount Vernon, Missouri, we'll uh, catch you in a couple of weeks' time, and I don't want to leave everybody else out, so say goodbye, Cheryl. Bye-bye, everyone. And uh, say something, Bill. 73, everyone. All right. So we'll see you in two weeks' time. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. my place.